are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. friends at home did you have feelings about the end of game of thrones well so did the crew of the starship therapies we have gathered together on the third moon of risa to process discuss and cathart so we hope you enjoy this extra super wonderful bonus episode to help get you through the summer hiatus until we're back in the fall thank you well done sir yeah thanks your your Um, elocution has only benefited from this this time off I actually, I think I'm a little bit rusty. Here, let me try my intro. <clears throat> Hi, everybody. I'm Justine Mastin, LMFT, Yogini, writer, researcher, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Larissa Garski, licensed marriage and family therapist, writer, researcher, and Spockian first officer of the esteemed Starship Therapies. Mm, I like that esteemed. Mm-hmm. I've been working on adding a little more punch to my intro. Oh! Oh, is that what you've been working on during the hiatus? You know, that and brushing up on my Russian literature. Mm. So I don't suppose you called the voice teacher that I gave you a number of? You mean Dr. Spock and Salt? No. <laughs> I was turned off by his last name. <laughs> or their last name. I was not clear on gender. Hmm. Just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists, unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. So, we know that Game of Thrones has now been over for a while, but the feelings, oh, the feelings remain. Mm -hmm. So, why don't we hit some of the highlights and low, low, so low lights. I mean, it's hard. Sir. I myself find myself bogged down in, in the lows. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, hard. it's hard to even recall now the, the highs. Do you want to start us off with a high? Um, I, yes. Okay, mm-hmm. things that I liked. Yes, things that you, let's start I, there. Mm-hmm. Yep, things, I liked... things for which you have gratitude. Yep. I have gratitude for, I I have a lot of gratitude for Daenerys Targaryen. Her, I mean, her story went real poorly. Mm. Um, Mm. But, I mean, what an epic hero's journey she had. Had it gone a different way, and we'll get to that, Mm -hmm. I think it would have been just a beautiful example of the hero's journey that I could pull out in session and feel real happy about. Yes. Um, As opposed to now when I, and, and each time I want to bring it out in session at this, at this point, I hesitate and I'm like, hmm, can I do this? <laughs> right. Is the, is this going to be helpful or harmful? Mm-hmm. It's hard. Uh, and, and prior yeah. to this final season, I didn't ask myself that question. Mm-hmm. No, no, I would bring I would bring her out all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, one Arya Stark had a beautiful closing to her narrative. That's true. 
Um, I I thought they did wonderful things. We mm-hmm. were able to close the loop on a uh, uh, projection. A psychic has a foretold. What's that called? Uh, uh, pre precognition. No uh, pre science prescience. No, God, my no, 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 um, no. Uh, mm. You know when something is foretold, it's a, a foretelling. A <laughs> <laughs> prophecy. God, yes, thank you, Brian. Yes. So, just a, a quick note to our listeners at home: most of the time, and when I say most of the time, literally every time except for this time. Um, when we are recording an app, our producer is usually not in the house, which, yes, I'm aware that's not how many pods do it. But, <laughs> you know, we all work multiple shifts on the ship. Um, and so it's really hard to get us all um, together on the bridge. But today mm-hmm. we are all together on the bridge, which is helpful for lots of technical reasons uh, behind the scenes that likely listeners you're not going to be aware of. But you are now aware of uh this other one which is that sometimes our producer is a walking talking thesaurus (laughs) and i think he's also saving himself some trouble in editing (laughs) yes now now he can keep all of that in (laughs) oh great yes so there was a prophecy yes about how she would kill both blue eyes and green yes the closing of the eyes yes which, oh, I guess, yeah, it was that she will close eyes, not mm-hmm. like literally you're going to kill people. But uh, what else does that mean? You're going you're gonna to tuck in. A... <laughs> just, I'm just like, as you said that, I was imagining Arya Stark just like sidling up to the Night King's, I guess, like ice bed and just like <laughs> taking, a, I guess, imagine like a large like sheet of ice and just like <laughs> placing it over the top of him. Um, and tucking him into bed. And then the Ice King says, this is all I ever wanted, someone to truly love me. And Isn't that what, all, what each of us truly wants, though, deep down? Yep. yep. And then he's like, I call off my armies. Mm-hmm. All I've been doing is searching for love. And I found it purely platonically with you, Arya. <laughs> and she would say, you're welcome. And then um, she would guard his bed with her Valerian steel. Uh, <laughs> you know, clearly we should have been called in to consult on season eight, right? Like we were. We should so, be called in to consult so on ready. everything, <laughs> every every major television series that's still on the air. Um, BT Dubs Riverdale, we're here for you. Uh, mm-hmm. We should just call us in. Call us mm-hmm. in. We're ready. Yeah, we can. We'll help. We'll help close the loop on your prophecy mm-hmm. in a way. That won't be expected. Well, that too. And, and, you know, we're also here for you in in a therapeutic sense of being able to hold space to the idea that endings are really fucking hard. And they are, right? And I have to give shout out to Supernatural and, of course, God, a.k.a. Mm. Chuck, who really Mm -hmm. hit that point home. But legitimately, folks, like, it's very, very hard to end anything. Mm -hmm. It's part of why in therapy, at least half the time we find that when treatment is kind of winding down, people don't show up often for their their final session or Mm -hmm. last two sessions because it is so hard to say goodbye. And it's hard to do it in a way that kind of does justice to the relationship or all the relationships involved that 
allows for catharsis and also honesty, a space for regret. Like it's very complicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And my feeling with Game of Thrones as it started coming to an end Mm -hmm. was our our esteemed writers. And I, you know, I, I give them some shit. Um, I also realized they were working under certain constraints Mm -hmm. given by HBO and the amount of money they were allowed to spend on dragons and wolves. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, I'm going to pause right there and push back a little bit. And I know that mm -hmm. our our producer can jump in because he was, per his title, is more in on like the technical aspect of these aspects of these things than I am. But like, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that HBO gave them pretty much carte blanche Mm. for this final series two more seasons well that is well and like honestly well hbo wanted them to Mm -hmm. to to, they they didn't want them to do this thing of like let's take the full season and chop it in half they were like have have the full Mm -hmm. seasons because like hbo doesn't want to lose this Mm because spoiler alert for no one hbo is kind of bleeding money right now (laughs) and game of thrones was the dragon that they were relying on chernobyl's been doing very well though well i guess mazel um <laughs> that's probably the first time in history that people have been talking about chernobyl like it's going really well so well congratulations <laughs> on that chernobyl yeah it feels a little awkward even right now to be saying it um but yeah before they knew that chernobyl was going to be the hit that it sounds like it is um they really they wanted to keep their dragon as mm. long as they could um, and they would have been willing to like go longer, give them more apps, yada yada yada. But like the the two the co showrunners, they didn't want to do that. And I do I do think that part of what happened is that I think maybe they had too much freedom, right? Because you mm, see this mm-hmm. sometimes. And I always think of, well, yeah, the one that I go to is when Amy Sherman Palladino and her husband, Mister Sherman Palladino. I don't remember <laughs> his first name. <laughs> They were big. They were given like free reign from Netflix to try and wrap up Gilmore Girls, and it was a nightmare. And I do think one of the reasons it was such a nightmare is because they needed structure. They worked better with certain mm-hmm. constraints. Yeah. So, Honesty Bear, I have not watched that Gilmore Girls a year in the life because what I saw of it, mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? We wrapped up this story. Mm-hmm. Why, we we closed this arc. Why are we reopening this arc? And some stories, I'm like, yeah, let's reopen the arc. I'm into it. But mm-hmm. this one, I was like, it was such a beautiful ending. Oh, yeah. Let's just be done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, l- listeners, you know, for this very special extra bonus mid-hiatus episode... We're just, you're getting more fandoms than you planned on. You were mm-hmm. like, I'm tuning in for Game of Thrones. Oh, great. Now I've got Gilmore Girls. Right. <laughs> we get we sprinklings of Riverdale Supernatural. Chernobyl. But like, when, <laughs> when do you not get Supernatural in here? Um, mm-hmm. Probably slightly less psych because we're really focusing in on just the feelings around games. But to kind of bring yeah. it all the way back, the positives, the highs mm-hmm. for the final season, mm-hmm. agreed. Arya's. For the most part, Arya's arc was drawn to a, a, a close that felt like natural and true to the character. I don't know about the whole Arya is as Christina Columbus thing. <laughs> I, that, that, personally, yeah. that didn't land for me, but I know that there are many fans of, of Arya that felt like that was fine. 
I mean, it, it makes sense that she was going to go her own way. Um, but I think it was, uh, like many memes, uh, agree that when she said what's west of Westeros to her brother, the three-eyed raven, um, mm. that he could have just said, nothing of interest, Arya. <laughs> or actually, you're going to love it west of Westeros. He could have said anything. He knows what's west of Westeros. He knows what's everywhere. Mm, um, yes. the, zombie, but, the zombie raven does seem to know quite a, a great deal. Yeah, but I mean, maybe that just speaks to him having some humanity left. He wanted to let his sister go explore the place that he knows all about already. That is such a giving interpretation <laughs> of, that, of that final scene. That's beautiful, Captain. Yeah, well, I, I'm, a, I'm a giver. Uh, <laughs> But I did. I loved her her closing arc. I know some people had issue around her um, uh, her little interchange with the Hound um, when the Hound was basically like, "Don't oh. go, don't go up there. You're gonna die, and it's not worth it." Sure. People are like, eh, "No, she would have. She would have just done it." And I'm like, you know what? She and Sandor the Hound had this beautiful relationship beautiful. Mm -hmm. and she was starting to embrace more of her humanity towards the end there she was becoming a little bit less of just a faceless man mm -hmm. or human sure. um and probably because she was reunited with her siblings and was reminded of her humanity mm -hmm. um and being reunited with sandor and all that stuff that came back it made sense to me right. that when he was like, come on, man, like, I'm going up there. I've got to I've got to face my brother in battle. That's like that is foretold. Um, but you <laughs> that's a prophecy. I'm only chuckling because like the the things, the kinds of prophecies that we that are held to in the story and the and the, the prophecies that are not held to feel so arbitrary. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think if I'm remembering right, George R.R. <laughs> R. Martin is on like, he's on record as saying that like that's part of his point. Like he's really wants to kind of poke at this idea that prophecies inherently mean anything to get at maybe like the deeper truth which is that prophecy and fate has only as much power as you give it mm -hmm. and you know and and i you know sandor i'm rem i'm reminded now that his arc for the most part was another high for me as a as a viewer you know having watched mm -hmm. his character over these many 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 years i really did like for the most part how that got wrapped up and where he was at and that and the, like, and yeah, to your point, the way I read that final scene between him and Arya is that he was trying to say to her, listen, this is all I have. Mm -hmm. All I have is revenge. Like, yes, our relationship has mattered to me, but like at the core of my being, this is what drives me. This is my beating heart. You have other things. Like, you're not mm -hmm. as far gone as me. Go do something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anything else. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I support you. As mm -hmm. your very strange surrogate father figure. Oh, that just reminds me of I think it was I think it was season seven where like he and Brienne and Arya are all are all like reunited for the first time, and he mm -hmm. and Brienne have this like really lovely like <laughs> visual <laughs> exchange where you can tell that they're both like, "Aren't we so proud of our daughter?" 
Um, <laughs> co-parenting. Co-parenting for the masses, right? Like, it's not Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris, Mar- Chris Martin. Chris Martin? No, Chris. Quit Martin. Quit Martin. <laughs> it's not those two friends. It's Brienne of Darth and Sandor, <laughs> a.k.a. the Hound. They are the co-parenting archetype for the millennia. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense that you and I are really focused on character development as as people in the psychology field, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to the more sociological aspects of Game of Thrones. Um, but I, you and I read a great article. Um, do you, who wrote that? You have it up, don't you? I do. And, you know, apologies to the writer right off the bat, because for you <laughs> listeners of the show, you are now going to be... <clears throat> part of Larissa can't pronounce things. So this article, the real reason fans hate the last season of Game of Thrones, which I think was a blog post in Scientific America or a Scientific American, and yes, we're going to link to it in the show notes, was written by one Zainab Tefeki. Oh, yeah, that seemed like it might be close. Maybe. Uh, (laughs) uh, But that author brought up that the the reason audiences hated the eighth season was because it was so psychological as opposed to sociological. Mm-hmm. And the previous, the previous seasons had been more sociologically focused. And by that, we mean, like, we, we never got so far into any one person or family's story that, like, we had to we ha- we had to be engrossed and know like what was the close of their arc what we needed to know was like who's going to win the game of thrones who's going to overthrow which government like those more sociological things as well, opposed right. to psychological and i think too and i'm pretty sure that uh dr tefeki and again apologies for the pronunciation doctor um i think like the other point that she is making the article is this idea that because the first at least six seasons took this more sociological or systemic lens is like that's the Mm -hmm. terminology i think we use the most often on this show which like potato Mm -hmm. potato it's looking at like movements of groups Mm -hmm. as opposed to internal motivations of people because it was looking at movements of groups and what moves them what that allowed the writers to do was to create multifaceted characters that you could connect with, you could connect with all of them. So rather than mm-hmm. building from a, from a psychological standpoint, which is we will have main character X, and you will mm-hmm. really feel for main character X because you're learning all about, you know, their dog named Fluffy and the number of mm-hmm. times that they were hugged by Uncle Merton or not, and whether that was <laughs> creepy or not. Like, it, it's, not, it's not looking at that kind of, like, minuscule detail of one person. It's zooming outwards and looking at mm-hmm. what motivates all these different people and peoples and groups. And what that allows for is that even a character like Cersei, whom for me as a person, I had a lot of problems with her. I was able to empathize mm. because the lens was such that we are looking at the ways that, in, that the environment and different systems impact people and bring out parts of themselves that maybe even they don't like. Mm-hmm. And so that created a greater sense of empathy. Mm-hmm. And it also allowed for, you know, like things like the Red Wedding, where you could kill off all these really important characters and then shift focus to these other characters because it wasn't about just one dude. It wasn't right. about Sean Bean, though. Like, RIP, mm-hmm. obviously, he was great. 
<laughs> yeah, who doesn't love Sean Bean? Although, if you love Sean Bean, you know he's going to die. Um, yeah, that's because that's, that's Sean's lot in life. That's his prophecy. <laughs> that's his prophecy. Um, but I think now that we're talking about this, I do want to shift a little bit to to Danny mm, because. Yeah. And uh, spoilers, unpopular opinion coming. Um, So I, while I very much did not like what happened with her character, I do think they were able to get sociological enough or systemic enough with her Mm -hmm. that her Dracaris of the entire town actually made sense. I'm not saying I agree with it. I want to be real clear about that. But when when you feel as though you are the leader of a peoples who have been disenfranchised and this is the place where that disenfranchisement comes from, from a systemic perspective, I understand how it could all get generalized into being, I'm not just killing the queen. Mm-hmm. whose place I want, but I am going to generalize my disdain to this entire place and these peoples, Mm -hmm. which happens all the fucking time in history, by the way. Um, And to just just say Dracarys, I'm going to burn it all. And I think that we focused too much um, on this is, you know this is the Targaryen curse of insanity instead of this, this is a, this is a generalized hatred of an entire group mm-hmm. that happens all the fucking time. Right. It's not about her, like some like mad, mad queen gene suddenly like blossoming. Right. Mm-hmm. And the the whole, like, what was it? Varys being like, you just, you just, you flip a coin and you just never know. And it's like, that's mm-hmm. not, no. No, that's not even how psychology works, okay? (laughs) Not even for the super-duper inbred Targaryens. Right. Clearly, I had a lot of feelings about that. And I was, like, disappointed in in Varys, too, because... And I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole, but I I didn't necessarily feel like the way that he... The shifts that he makes in the last ep that he's in felt totally authentic to the way I understood his character development to be either. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. more to your point, like, no, this wasn't about like suddenly Daenerys just goes crazy. It was more like Daenerys has been through so much and she's watched so many people who meant everything in the world to her die. Mm-hmm. And it becomes very clear to her that John is who I think most of us knew he was, which is that he is, he likes to think of himself as a hero but is in fact, in some very key ways, a bit of a coward. You know, you know what he is? Mm. He's a humble bragger. Ooh, I love this. Yes. <laughs> yes, he is. He is a humble bragger, 100%. <laughs> no, no, I didn't do anything. I was just, I was just there. I'm just John. <laughs> and like, he's real pretty. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no denying that. Nope. Nope. Uh, and there are things that I enjoyed about him. Absolutely. Um, but at his core, he's a humble bragger. He wanted to be Ned Stark. And Ned Stark was a true, humble human. Right. He, he had a true humility. Mm-hmm. But, but the way that John came up, he could not embody that same humility. No. It was and always. so he was trying to mimic it. Right. 
Right. Which is why when it came down to like real hard choices, like Danny saying to him, listen, these people clearly are not going to accept me. Like we see mm-hmm. the ways, even though it, like this story shifts and is told more from a psychological perspective, you do see the ways that like things like the racism and the bigotry of the North is impacting mm-hmm. the way like Danny and I am blanking on the name of her BFF and advisor. What's her name? Miss Sunday. Yes, Masende is being treated. Gray Worm is being treated. Like, you see mm-hmm. that, right? And yep. Danny's not dumb. She sees it, too. And she's like, okay, these people are not going to stand for me. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe they're going to stand a little bit more because I've helped save them and I don't have brown skin. But, like, they're not going to love me unless, mm-hmm. John, you will you will marry me and you will stand with me fully because that's how this works. That's how life is. Things aren't fair, but will you do this with me? And what mm-hmm. does John do? Oh, I, well, I have to be true to myself. Dude. Dude. <laughs> Dude. I, I, yeah. I mean, it was okay. not great. It was not great, fam. <laughs> right. Is, is and. I did like at the very end that John goes off with the wildlings because I guess that shows us where his heart really lied the whole laid the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like, but like we, no go sorry I keep interrupting. No go well, no no but we never circle back to the fact that he's the true heir to the Iron Throne. Right. Like that never becomes a thing Mm-mm. other than to kill Viserys. Mm-hmm. Um. And oh, sorry, Varys. Um, <laughs> so so many names. So many names. You know, other than to turn Varys and our heart Peter Dinklage against each other, like that, it it served no fucking purpose. Why was it there? <laughs> no, and it just it was a way for him to, I think. To have that, that, to feed this humble brag thing, like, yes, mm-hmm. I could be king, but I'm just going to give it up. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, he's never, he, his, John's privilege is such that he is able to avoid the, the ramifications, the repercussions of making tough calls. Yes. Like, Danny can't do that. And that is what she's mm-hmm. trying to say to him. Like, I can't, like, I need you to do this, like, for us to rule, for us to really, like, break the wheel, for us to figure this out. You need to stand with me. The people won't mm-hmm. support me. And John has, the privilege of his life has been, like, he doesn't really have to do that. He doesn't really have to kind of, like, face his limitations in that way and face the ways that his people of the North, whom he loves, are highly problematic in, in certain ways too. Like he, do, he doesn't want to have to do that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to have to do that. So he says like, no, I'm not going to do that. But he lets himself off the hook internally by being like, but I'm, I'm going to stand you forever. As mm. if that's enough. And he tells himself that's enough, but it's clearly not enough. It's never going to be enough. So Danny's up mm-hmm. there on her dragon and she's making, and like I read on it, and I think yours was too, that like she makes a calculated decision, which is, the only way I'm going to be able to lead then is if everyone's so fucking afraid of me mm-hmm. that they're never going to try to rise up, no matter how much like racism, hatred, whatever they have, they're not going to do it because they're afraid of me. And they're going to be afraid if I burn everything to, to the ground. Mm-hmm. And that's not insanity. That's making a calculated decision that is in some ways very heartless. Yeah. It, it, 
it's not a it's not a good choice. Mm-mm. We're we're clearly not arguing that it's a good choice. No. But the way that it was presented as though she had gone crazy was so antithetical to everything they had set up. Right. And I know that people are like, you could see her craziness emerging the whole time. I'm like, no, you know what? That's anger. That is righteous anger from someone who came up in slavery. Right. Um, was sold into child marriage. Mm-hmm. And like, is there a white savior thing here? Absolutely. We mm-hmm. could go way down that road. She, she's not a flawless character by any means. But, she, you know, she has she's had these experiences that inform the decisions that she makes. And I think that going to insanity is so cheap. Yes. Um, and, it's and it the feels same... so it feels so gendered. Like, yeah. Oh, God. So gendered. Like if it was if it was Dan, you know, <laughs> Dan Targaryen. Or <laughs> Right. Or actual Viserys. Or actual Viserys. But I, I like I like Dan, so I'm gonna go with Dan. <laughs> you know, if she decided that she was gonna be the, the artist formerly known as Daenerys, but was now <laughs> claiming the male identity, it would have like it, shit would not have gone down this way. And I don't think that the writers would have been able to get away with writing her this way. They they went this route because this is a really old, tired cultural and artistic trope which is the trope mm-hmm. of the hysterical woman yep and danny well, right, deserves so much better than that she deserves so much better like the it all could have turned out the same way mm-hmm. without us saying she's crazy it's the same it's the same thing that drives me nuts when there's an evil character when we're told this character is evil like that is that's such a cop-out right that people make decisions based on their life experience and do they make some terrible decisions? Absolutely. And do they make cruel decisions? Absolutely. But to just name somebody evil mm-hmm. and ignore their entire backstory and the reasons that they're making the choices that they're making is lazy. Right. And I've been on panels before where I made this argument and it did not go over well. <laughs> you, mean, you mean the people there did not stand up and cheer for your... <laughs> For your nuanced perspective that we can't just say that pe- some people are monsters. Yeah, I was on a panel a few years ago at, at a convention that was about the nature of evil. Mm-hmm. And basically my argument was, well, pe- people do evil things, uh, but people are not evil. Mm-hmm. Because if if we label a person evil, then they have really no other way to be. Right. You know, if if we say, well... This character is just evil. They can only be one way. Like, okay, so that's not a multifaceted human being. No. Who was informed by choices and can make other choices. Like, that's, yeah, go. Right. No, but, I, and I think that sometimes, like, people push back against that because they're like, well, are you saying that we can't hold people accountable for their decisions? And we're like, no. No, that's not what we're saying. We're saying, yes, hold people accountable for their evil decisions. Absolutely. No one is saying that if Hitler had lived, that he shouldn't have deserved all kinds of, like, legal punishments and ramifications. He obviously should have. Mm-hmm. The difference in the nuance is that it's understanding that there's still a person in there. Yeah. And by calling someone evil, was it, what it often allows us to do is to distance so far from this person and the acts that they've committed as if to say that, like, well, I would never do anything like that. 
Mm. And the people I love would never do anything like that. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, is that for most of us, and I think this was the genius of Game of one of the many geniuses of Game of Thrones too, was exploring this idea that like we're all capable of some pretty awful things, mm-hmm. given the right circumstances. Yeah, and it's frankly very likely, and this harkens back to what we talked about in like our, our Will Riker podcast too about the the Me Too movement. That it's likely that like most of us, probably all of us, have done at least a couple things in our lives when we get to the end that we would, if we look back at it, be like, yeah, that was some dark shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was not my highest self in that moment. Yeah, in fact, maybe I was my all-time lowest self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, um, I, I do bring Danny into session when I talk about Dracaris, which you mm-hmm. and I have talked about, the, and we can all relate to this, right? Where there's a situation where everything's going wrong mm-hmm. and you just, everything feels terrible and you just want to burn it all down. You just want to say Dra- Dracaris and ride away on a dragon. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. There's been, um, we're not going to go like too deep down the personal road here, listeners, but there have been many times for me in the last few months where the captain has used this analogy because I've really wanted to burn everything and ride off on my dragon. (laughs) Right. And in that moment, you don't care if there are villagers in there. I'm not proud to admit it, but frankly, the answer is no. (laughs) I don't care. I feel so hurt, so upset, so wronged, so like deeply frustrated and angry Mm -hmm. that like I want to just burn it all down and be done and ride Mm -hmm. off to... What's that sea producer that the dragon likes? The Great Grass Sea. The Great Grass Sea, yeah. I want to go to the Great Grass Sea where it's so much warmer. (laughs) And just hang out with my dragon. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, now that would have been a beautiful ending. Right? If she had, in fact, Dracarist everything. Mm. And then rode off on Drogon back to the Great Grass Sea. Yeah. Because that's where her true heart was. Now that's a beautiful ending. Oh my god, if I think about that too hard, I definitely will cry. Because that final scene where she's dead and Drogon is so wrecked. He's so Ugh. sad. I oh. And I like this other reality. <laughs> this is this yeah. is our Starship Therapies fan fiction, folks. Mm-hmm. Therapeutic fan fiction. Absolutely. <laughs> Okay, well, I, I mean, I could talk about Danny all day. We could. But I think it's important that we... Oh, the Dothraki Sea is what our producer just sent me. It's also called the Great Grass Sea. Okay. Mm. Mm. So we're, we're both right. <laughs> hashtag, right. Hashtag ever Dothraki green. Oh. <laughs> um, we we would be remiss if we did not spend a significant amount of time talking about our our beloved Tyrion, Peter mm. Dinklage. I mean, this is this is hard, and I my initial reaction is like maybe we could just like give him a soft five minutes and just move on. Um, <laughs> and my reaction is that because for those of you who are at this point stands of the podcast, you know how much Peter Dinklage means to us as a as a <laughs> human whom we have never mm-hmm. met but cherish profoundly. Mm-hmm. And then also how much his character, one Tyrion Lannister, means to us. 
Um, and, and, you know, to both of us and, and to myself in particular, so much that I have a great deal of Tyrion paraphernalia. Um, <laughs> I'm not wearing it right now. Um, mm. Because today was, but uh, there might be something to that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, is your Jordan Danae in the laundry or were you having feelings and you decided not to wear it? You know, I actually didn't, I didn't consciously decide not to put on my Jordan Denae uh, Tyrion matching t-shirt and sweatshirt ensemble. <laughs> but I do wonder if there was some like unconscious stuff going on for me there. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just, his character art is such a bummer in this last season. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really think I can point to any moment where I'm like, that's great. Good job, Tyrion. What I can do is think of the final episode and just really want to Dracarys it. Every single scene with Tyrion in it, I just want to Dracarys immediately. See? And you you give no thought to the extras in that scene who are giving it their all? No, like not the crew, the cast, the best boy (laughs) grip, the dolly people. And I know that Kit Harington is like quoted as being like, no one's thinking of how hard everyone's working. And in all fairness, Kit, you're right. (laughs) I'm not thinking of how hard everyone was working. And you're, you're completely fair to remind me of that. And mad props to everyone and all their hard work. And still, in my honest heart, I wanted Dracarys every scene. Mm-hmm. What, what was it that happened to Tyrion that was so upsetting to you? I think that you put it best when you texted me, like, midway through this season. Um, and I know, I know I wrote it down, so I'm going to pull it up because I was like, we got to remember this. Um... I'm so glad that you do that because I just I just spit out wisdom and expect you to to remember it. Mm -hmm. And you texted me that we needed to think about the mindfulness of Tyrion Lannister. Mm -hmm. And that in this final season. He seems to lose almost all of that mindfulness and that there Mm -hmm. is almost a mindlessness to Mm -hmm. his actions, his choices. He is. I mean, if we want to go, like, neurobiology, it seems like he is totally being driven by a lizard brain. hmm And it's as if all of the growth and experience and time that he went through over the last, like, decade just is gone. hmm And he is, he, he acts and moves minus the flagrant alcoholism and gambling, uh, much like he did, <laughs> he did in the first season. Mhm. Yeah, it's it, it was so strange to me that that we as the audience were expected to believe that he was the same person because he wasn't drinking as much and he wasn't gambling and he hasn't had sex in five years or however long it's been that we're supposed to just accept that. Oh, well, if he's doing all of those things, then he is still this new and mindful Tyrion. Mm hmm. But he, yeah, he was making he was making decisions that were all over the place. He he was not being strategic, which is like a cornerstone of his personality, right? And I, yeah, I I was I was very disappointed with what they did with that character. There was so much that felt out of character for him. Yeah. I mean, like, there's that whole scene after the, the Battle of, of Winterfell, and, and yes, I know that everyone had many feelings about that battle, and, and rightfully so. We're probably not going to go down the road of the Battle of Winterfell today. 
But following it where everyone's like hanging out and they're all like, yay, we did it. And, um, <laughs> and you can see that Danny is having a breakdown. Oh, yes. You do not need to be any kind of trained mental health <laughs> professional at all. You need to be age 12, right? <laughs> of like, of average cognitive ability and like average, you know, empathic ability with like fully functioning mirror neurons, you know, <laughs> to be watching what's happening and to be like, huh, she's having a lot of feelings right now. And most of them don't seem like they're, they're positive feelings. Mm-hmm. And it is Tyrion's job to be aware of that. Like, I wouldn't even have had a problem if he was aware of that and he, like, made a call that somehow conflicted with his awareness of it. But, like, it makes no sense to that character that he displayed zero awareness of what was going on for her in that dining hall or whatever you would call it. Right. Yeah, no, she's... She is clearly emotionally separated from what is happening. Mm-hmm. And, and how are you, Tyrion, the bringer together of people, bringing her into the fold, making her a part of things? And they, um, Tyrion and Danny have that lovely exchange when she um, gives Gendry the whatever uh, castle she winds right. up giving him. She, because she makes him the new, uh, the new Robert Baratheon, mm-hmm. Lil, Lil, Lil Baratheon Junior. Lil Baratheon. <laughs> Lil Brath. That's what we'll call him. Yeah. Lil Brath. Well, um, and they had a lovely back and forth when yeah. he was like, "Oh, and then you'll have an ally wherever." And she's like, "You're not the only one who's clever." I'm like, that's lovely. That's a lovely interchange. Right. And and that's it. And that's... that's it. That's all we get. And he goes and he sits down next to his big brother, big bro Jamie. Mm. Uh, you could you can't see it, folks, but a major eye roll from Spock over here. <laughs> and then and then proceeds to like out Brienne as being a virgin, which like so problematic. The whole like now is not the time for me to soapbox on the concept of virginity, but leave it to say, folks, <laughs> it's one of these days it's going to happen. Well, right. Like, let, let's talk about some social constructs mm-hmm. that that really, when was the last time Tyrion was that drunk being a dick? Right. Season one. Just for the sake of being a dick. Season one. And and here, mm-hmm. yes, the idea that maybe having Jamie around is bringing up some mm. old behavior patterns for him. Okay, Absolutely. that's something I hadn't considered. I like, like that. Like, we've talked about that before. Like, we talked about that in our wonderful Trifecta holiday podcast series, right? Talking about, like, family mm-hmm. and what happens when we get around family, especially after a long absence, that it starts mm-hmm. to reawake, reawaken old behavior patterns that maybe don't serve us or fit anymore. Yeah, I could see that happening for Tyrion. But let's do something with that. Let's, like, let's have some conscious awareness of how we're going to show that juxtaposition and then show that actually conflicting with who he is now. We didn't hear, mm-hmm. any, we didn't see any conflict between, like, old behavior patterns and who he is now. We just saw, here's all the old behavior patterns of who he used to be, and there he is. Yeah, I mean, unless we're supposed to infer that the reason he was making so, such terrible decisions towards the end and not noticing what was going on with Danny is because he was so focused on the golden god that is his brother. Right. And again, it's like, can you, can you ask your viewers to do a lot of the work and the co-creation of meaning here? Mm. Yeah, you can. And you and I 
we're clearly up to the challenge and that's what we're doing right now. <laughs> but, but the thing of it is, is that this was a show that didn't, it didn't ask that of its viewers. Mm-hmm. It set up a structure that, that was, that was creating that and fostering that and kind of showing the interplay of that. And we didn't, we didn't get that for Tyrion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was, uh, I was, I was very disappointed in our boy at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to move along from him to, uh, to two women and how their stories ended and the impact that had on the world. <laughs> People had a lot of feelings and opinions about both Cersei and Sansa. Oh. Do you want to start with Cersei or Sansa? Mm. That's a long-ass pause. It was, it was. um, Cersei, maybe? Okay. Uh, They gave her nothing to do except look down a window. It sucked. It was real bad. (laughs) Like... For both of them, it's like they, they spent so much time on their outfits. <laughs> Again, the clothing department for the win. See, Kit Harrington, I'm recognizing their hard work. Um, mm-hmm. And their outfits were beautiful. The hairstylings, very on point. There was more de- character development for Sansa via her hair changes this season mm. than there was in the actual words on the page that she was given to perform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, starting with Cersei, mm-hmm. they gave her nothing to do. She was looking out a window, right. basically saying how everything is going to be fine. They that that dragon lady will never burn all of the civilians. Right, they'll never make it to the Red Keep. It, the Red Keep has never fallen, and it's like that would have been interesting to say maybe once or twice, and then leave it there as like a foreshadowed nugget to refer back to once mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Danny decides to Dracarys everything, but mm-hmm. this is not true of Cersei that she's just standing around. No, no, she would be plotting. She would be sending people off to do secret bidding. I mean, there's okay. So she got herself the uh, what the Golden Company, the yes, the people from the place with the man with no where the man with no face is from. The Iron mm-hmm. Bank. Why am I forgetting the yeah. name of the place? They- Davos. Bra- yeah. Bravos. Bravos. Davos. <laughs> Bravos. It's da- Bravos. Oh, Davos is great. And we could talk about him all day, too. He never does any wrong. No. Uh- he's, a, he's, a, he's a prince among men. <laughs> and he was great the whole time. The whole time. I enjoyed him the whole time. Really, um- if Jon Snow could have just apprenticed himself to Davos, he could have learned <laughs> so much. I know. Um, but yeah, so they, you know, she's got this army and she's just like, ah, they're going to take care of me. When has she ever just sat back right. and been like, eh, that's, that's not what Cersei does. Even when it would be smart for her to sit back and do nothing. Right. She's all like sending people in to do shady shit, like blow up the sept. Right. Um, I mean, if anything, you could say that that's one of her fatal flaws. Hmm. As a as a human being, she doesn't know when to pull back. She mm-hmm. doesn't know when to pause. She doesn't know when to wait. And this season, she just was like, "I'll wait." <laughs> no, I'm good. I'll 
I'm just going to stand right here in the red keep. Bring me wine. Uh, and my horrible maester. Mm. Uh, and put the mountain at my door. And uh, I'm good. I'm good. That's all I need. Water down wine because I'm a pregnant lady. I'm going to keep, I don't know, having sex with that weird pirate uncle man. Because why not? <laughs> Which also, I was like, Circe would not have done that for funsies. No. Well, no. And she didn't do it for funsies. No, but she like, did she, it sure, go ahead, to yeah. form an alliance. She did it to form an alliance with the Ironborn. She's, she sure did. That's, that's the story as it was written. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know we we can't poke every plot hole no it's basically swiss cheese (laughs) and i think here's the thing and this reminds me of something that i a writing a writing instructor told me at this point many many years ago when he when we would like do before we were to sit down and break it into our writing groups and critique one another's work which was just an emotionally complex process i think for everyone in the class um including for yours truly but the well the he gave us two pieces of advice, I remember. We had two directives. The first was he was like, I want you to read the story the first time and assume that the writer knows what they're doing. Hmm. hmm And he was like, and then the second time through, you can, you can move from a, a place of, of criticism, which is that maybe the writer isn't sure. But the first time, you must try and read the story, giving it the benefit of the doubt. Hmm. And the struggle I have with the final season of Game of Thrones is that as much as I have tried to like go forth and give them the benefit of the doubt, in order to do that, as a viewer, I have to do so much narrative work to fill in the Swiss cheese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. That's real. Yeah. And yeah to echo everyone seriously deserved so much better yeah than to die under a pile of rubble fleeing i mean i could have probably handled that ending because in some ways in some ways it has it has that almost like red wedding vibe to it where life is cruel sure sure and unpredictable And in Mm -hmm. some ways, it might have been fitting for that character who spent her whole life plotting and working to be taken down by such a random act. Mm -hmm. But there was no power in that death because we'd spent the entire season watching her wait around and drink watered down wine. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It would have been much more powerful if she'd been running around the whole time trying to fix this, trying to solve it, sending out all her little minions. Mm -hmm. And then the moment she stands still with Jamie. Yes. Then the castle falls down on her. It practically writes itself. It does practically <laughs> write itself. <laughs> and part of me just like, I'm thinking of George right now, of course. George. And, and like, wherever he is. is he, he lives somewhere in the southwest, I think. I don't know. I don't, but anyway. I don't keep up with his moving. That's fair. But anyway, I just imagine, <laughs> I imagine like George being like, exactly. It did write itself. <laughs> why couldn't they follow it and why does he have the same accent that i use when i'm pretending to be um oh what's the, who's the director of lord of the rings <laughs> peter jackson peter jackson why does he have the same accent i use for peter jackson i don't know he just does 
I, to, better not to ask questions. Probably. Uh, okay, so we've already written a better ending for, for so many of these characters. Um, Last but not least, Sansa. Sansa. Our girl Sansa. Yeah, so uh, there there was a lot of feelings from folks. I mean, there were a mm-hmm. lot of feelings of folks who were trauma survivors around both Danny and Sansa. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I take nothing away from those trauma survivors and their experience. Like, Mm-mm. whatever you were feeling is legit for sure. Um, I think what maybe wasn't communicated with Sansa is she has this line when talking to the Hound that, you know, without Ramsay, she would still be that little bird. And... Ooh, I mean, that hurts and is awful. And also, there is some truth to it. It's both and. Because what they what the show did not do any justice to is the concept of post-traumatic growth. Mm-hmm. And the fact that out of trauma, we can grow and become. Mm-hmm. And that trauma doesn't have to be the end that we are you know sentenced right to something and so i don't think it was presented well um that that line was that was rough uh but the concept that you know what i was i was headed down a certain path um where i all i wanted in the world was you know to be this this lady of leisure and then all this horrible shit happened and you know what i I found resilience mm-hmm. in myself and mm-hmm. I and I grew and I and I became someone different. Mm-hmm. Like there is power in that. But that's not to say she couldn't have become this person mm-hmm. through other means. Beautifully said. Mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. And I have such a hard, and I, I, that line absolutely totally got me, and I have such a hard time with it, in part because it's, it's relying on this old narrative trope that we have used for female identifying and female written characters, which is mm-hmm. women grow by being raped. Mm-mm. And, I, you know, I, I apologize to, to listeners if this is too graphic, and if it is, feel free to pause, skip over, take a break, like take care of you genuinely. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I'm going to use not gratuitous language, but direct language, which is that, Mm -hmm. and you do see this throughout um, like Western art, this idea Mm -hmm. that this is how women grow and change. They move from girlhood to womanhood via not just sex. It is often this idea of rape. Mm Mm-hmm. And to have this character who is so strong and a touchstone for so many who have gone through so much to to validate that in a way is yeah. is really it is disappointing it's troubling mm-hmm. it I don't know it reminds me it 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 it's just we're falling back on on such old tired language and stories and Mm -hmm. what felt so exciting about game of thrones not all of the time but much of the time is the way it was attempting to transcend those old story types 
and tell more nuanced tales. And mm-hmm. oh gosh, in that scene, they just don't do that with Sansa. Mm-mm. No. Um, yeah, she she grew and she changed. She had a ton of trauma. Mm-hmm. And I mean. Oh, Littlefinger. That was the other person she mentioned. If if it weren't for Ramsay and Littlefinger, I would still be that little bird. Um, yeah. So if it weren't for men that that literally assaulted my body and my mind, like, uh... oh, and like, and here's the thing. There's a way to, and I think you did it beautifully just a few minutes ago to talk about the nuance of this, which is to say that I don't, especially, in, and I think both of our work with folks who have who have struggled with trauma, it's not ever that we're trying to get to a place where we can say, wow, I'm so grateful that this terrible, awful thing happened to me, right? Mm-mm. Chernobyl, the best, right? <laughs> ha- hashtag YOLO. No, uh-uh. <laughs> um, it's this idea that this was terrible. It never should have happened. It's awful that it happened. And holding that really firmly in one hand, and then in the other hand, mm-hmm. holding this idea that from this enormous pain and awful situation I have because of what I've chosen to do and how I've chosen to grow, become this person that I really love and really cherish. Mm -hmm. And that there is a real tension. And I think there's even a paradox to that idea of like, God, I really, I love who I am right now. I would never change who I am now. And yet I, I went through some really awful things to get to where I am. I'm not grateful for those things, but I'm grateful to where I am, where I am right now. And you don't mm-hmm. have to say, I'm grateful for both. You get to be in the nuance and the conflict of, I don't like that thing that happened to me. I don't condone that thing that happened to me while also feeling gratitude for where you are. And the reason it's so important to do that amongst other, or one of the main reasons it's really important to do that is that, when we do what it seems like the show did with Sansa, which was to say like, well, you know, I needed, I needed to go through all that. I needed to go through all that non-consensual touching and physical mm-hmm. violation to be where I am now is it's just a hop, skip and a jump to, and you know, it's okay that other people go through it because mm. it's how they're going to grow too. Mm-hmm. And that's not the world we want to be building here. No, no, no. And uh, Sansa was a, she was a little confusing in the final season. It, she, you know, she was making puppy dog eyes at uh, at Greyjoy mm-hmm. at Theon when he showed up, and then she and Tyrion had this moment. And I know they were like they were trying to set it up for like who is she going to wind up with? I'm like I mm. I don't care. This is. Yeah. This is not interesting. <laughs> it felt uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, stop making eyes at Theon. Like, I know you're glad he's home. Sure. I'm, yes, I'm sure you're, it's wonderful to see him. Also, your relationship is really confused. You haven't really healed those old wounds yet. Right. Yeah, they didn't do her justice. I'm glad that she got to sit on a throne. It's what she wanted ever since she was a little girl. Mm-hmm. Although it also assumes that that her wants never changed. Right, which is... Yeah. Yeah, that's also problematic. I mean, I suppose you could say that, like, well, she wanted to sit next to the throne, and now she changed to wanting to lead and be on the throne, which is, is something. Mm-hmm. But then it gets down to, like, that ending, 
that ending with Bran. Mm. Mm. Yes. Mm. Um, I, I had so many feelings, so very many, as I know people out in the world did because memes told me. Yeah. Um, my favorite memes were the ones that were something to the effect of when you didn't do anything on the school project and get an A anyway. <laughs> Because that is how it felt. Oh, it totally did. Um, that's great. I like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was a great meme. I mean, and again, there's all sorts of holes we could poke in. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no way that Grey Worm wouldn't have killed John instantly. Um, right. And there's no way. Like, all of all of his all of his people are dead. He is mm -hmm. stuck in this place where he is hated for his ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And he's just going to be like, cool, 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 John. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and imprison you because that's what, that's what my queen would have wanted. Yep. Uh, he, no, he no. wasn't going to do that. He wasn't going to No, and then everybody shows up. Best description I heard of it was it was a PTA meeting. That I also liked that they were like, look, it's the reunion of the breakfast club. Um, still, <laughs> still no breakfast. <laughs> still no breakfast um yeah and then they're just like yeah let's go with the person with the best story which as a narrative therapist i'm like cool let's go with the person with the best story mm -hmm. bran <laughs> it 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 worked not at all um no. and there are definitely some very humorous and frightening sort of like takes on what it means that Bran is now in charge. Our producer mm -hmm. has a personal theory about Bran being this personification of this thousands year old zombie consciousness <laughs> that had been working covertly to take over the kingdom and can now basically rule in tyranny over everyone forever. And thus making the idea that perhaps the Night King wanting to kill him wasn't such a bad thing on the Night King's part at all. Which I actually, I really enjoy that it, possibility of an ending. I do too, because <laughs> it's like, it, it, there's some real depth and nuance to it. <laughs> Which I just need. I need it so much. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that while also recognizing that the authors didn't intend that. But, you know, maybe the authors are dead. Um from a literary criticism standpoint, obviously not literally. They're <laughs> they're still alive and kicking, though. Thankfully, I don't think they're doing that like terrible Confederacy show. I think that's been scrapped. So, oh God! So that's we can all be good. Hashtag good. grateful we're, for that. We're 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 all grateful. Uh, yeah, Brand did not have the best story by any means. Mm -mm. Um, I mean, that that scene had a beautiful moment when Sansa tells her uncle to sit down. That was wonderful. It was great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I I noticed that uh, Samwell got to be a maester. We didn't even touch on him because he doesn't get much play this season. No, that was nice. Uh, but he's a delight. I, yeah. I hope he and Gilly live a long, happy life together. Me too. I mean, you know, Brian writes that final Facebook post for Jamie. <laughs> it would, which I get fine, I guess. Um, 
or or it looks our, our producer is shouting to me that it was his also also his Wikipedia entry. So that too. <laughs> um, I mean that would have been fine, but it just like give her something more to do and. Mm-hmm. With an entire show based on the idea of, like, we're going to break the wheel, it wasn't enough to melt down the Iron Throne. Like, that was that was the breaking of a symbol and the keeping of what the symbol represented. And the show mm-hmm. very much kept the wheel. Yeah. A literal, like, literally a young white man mm-hmm. will sit on the throne of Westeros forever. Right, because the um, the argument that producer Brian makes is that the the consciousness that is the three eyed raven is uh, eternal, mm-hmm. and their host is immortal. So the idea that they're going to meet up every couple of years and pick a new king, no, or queen seems seems unlikely. And even if that's what we're going to do, like it's still. It's still the people at the top making decisions for the people at the bottom. The right. wheel is not broken. Right. Noth- literally nothing has changed. And, mm. and if the show wanted to like make that statement, then I guess, like, come on, show, have the courage of your convictions. Don't like Jon Snow this thing. <laughs> but I very much got the sense that the show wanted us all to believe as viewers that, like, yes, we've done it. Mm-hmm. Wheel broken. Huzzah mead for everyone (laughs) like no there's no no i mean if we're gonna like drink the mead in hopes that it'll make us feel less awful sure but this is not celebratory mead i reject that idea (laughs) i reject your celebratory mead this is feelings drowning mead (laughs) exactly yeah so overall overall i i had a disappoint Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point, <laughs> see what I did there. Uh, <laughs> endings are hard. Yeah, it it is hard to close things out mm-hmm. and have. I mean, have people feel as though it's satisfactory. True. And to be fair, I don't know how many people found this satisfactory. Mm. Um. I mean, I think this this one probably did worse than most, right. but I think people but, who found it satisfactory were working very hard. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of I forget. Have you seen Battlestar, the reimagined yeah. series? Mm-hmm. So do you remember? Yeah. You remember when there's like that the short period where Lee puts on a lot of weight that is known to fans as the fat, as Fat Lee. Oh, and really, uh, it's this jogging any any memories for you yeah yeah okay yeah. so for, there's fat lee and really what it yeah. looks like is that like the character the actor took a pillow and shoved it up underneath his uniform right and that's <laughs> <laughs> and maybe they like used less contour on his face to try to make it look more round and then mm-hmm. like literally two episodes later you see him in the gym and he's back to fighting form right like <laughs> As a viewer, you really had to work very, very hard to believe in Fatley. Mm-hmm. To believe that that was a real transformation. Because the show wasn't, it wasn't doing any kind of work to help you get there. So for those who found the ending of Game of Thrones satisfying, I feel like they, were, they had to do a lot of work mm-hmm. to get to that place of satisfaction and ignore a lot of, a lot. I'll just say that. They had to ignore a lot. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me think of around the time the show aired, there were all of these blog posts about what other shows had terrible endings or what other shows had endings everybody hated. Mm. And, you know, there, there are some that are considered, quote unquote, like everybody hated them that I don't hate. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't mind Seinfeld's ending. Mm-hmm. I didn't mind Lost's ending. I loved Angel's ending. Um, I I thought that was really well done, but I think I think it it has to do with what you wanted to see happen, sure, and how well those expectations were met. Mm-hmm. And I think going back to that psychology versus sociology thing, that we all didn't have our expectations met because we were anticipating this systemic closure. Mm-hmm. And instead of systemic closure, we had individual psychological closure. Well said. What a good wrap up, sir. <laughs> oh, thank you. I love getting the last word in. That's true. <laughs> it brings me a lot of joy. That helps me have closure. <laughs> that helps me say goodbye. Um, Thank you all so much for listening to our bonus ep of us just ranting about Game of Thrones. Uh, Spock and I have been talking ever since the finale that we would need to do this because we've had so many feelings. Mm -hmm. And we just keep saying, save it for the podcast. Save it for the podcast. (laughs) And we did. I hope that you enjoyed us saving it for you. Um, And we would love to hear your thoughts, whether you agree, disagree, have contrary feelings we were open to it the nothing we're saying is true or right just our Mm-mm. feelings about it true um, so happy to hear your thoughts and looking forward to getting back with everybody in the fall yeah um listeners we are beginning our the recording for our season two we're very excited about this we have gotten so much rest here on Riza, the pleasure planet. Captain has been <laughs> gavorting and doing all manner of things, um, most of which I have let him know I don't want to hear about. Um, <laughs> but I, I have to admit that over glasses of mead, I've learned more than I ever needed to learn um, about so many different things. <laughs> I myself am continuing to work through Russian literature. I'm right now reading a really interesting biography of, on Leo Tolstoy. And fun fact, friends, Leo Tolstoy, kind of a pill. (laughs) Really? Because based on his writing, I would think that dude was a mile a minute hilarity. Right. And also, and we may go into this later, but I am developing my own theory that, in fact, I don't think Leo wrote his books all on his onesie. No, no, friends. Mm -hmm. I think that Leo wrote them with his wife. Now, I appreciate that history, like back then, they wouldn't have seen it as like a co-writing experience because he was a dude and... Really, this idea of co-writing and writers' rooms is is a f- newer concept. But the idea that we have that one writes all by their onesie—that's kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it makes more sense that he had more people involved, like his amazing, brilliant wife. Uh, but we can talk more about that later. I know the captain doesn't want to hear any more about that than than she already has, quite frankly. So. <laughs> My point here is, because we've already started work on Series 2, 
please let us know if there are particular topics you'd like us to cover. Are there fandoms that you really want to hear about? Psychological concepts that you're like, I don't know what this means, guys. Explain it to me within the lens of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Let us know um, on mm-hmm. Facebook, on Twitter, on the gram even. Um, mm-hmm. The captain does an amazing job of keeping up on all three of those platforms. And then we should be back at you with season two this fall. All right. We may be at the helm of the ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandycat Duthy, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. We think your Game of Thrones theory has wings. <laughs> like a raven. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we're still on hiatus, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And be sure to tell your friends. And as always, friends, live long and prosper. We have gathered together on the third moon of Risa to process, discuss, and cathart. Please do enjoy this extra super, extra super bonus. That was too many extra super bonuses. Too many extra super bonuses. I would say keep it to one. One extra super is enough. Uh, All right. So at the end of cathart...